The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Giants fans. You are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. couple of topics for you on today's show. First, we're going to talk about the New York Post report over the weekend that the New York Giants appear to be getting ready to have Eli Manning return as quarterback in 2019, although perhaps they are also going to be aggressively looking at finding an heir in the 2019 NFL Draft. We will also be talking to Sports Illustrated writer Connor Orr about a variety of topics, including officiating in the NFL, This weekend's upcoming Super Bowl between the New England Patriots and Los Angeles Rams, and also a little bit on the state of the New York Giants. All right, let's begin with some discussion of the news that Paul Schwartz of the New York Post reported about Eli Manning. Schwartz wrote that Manning is not expected to go anywhere in 2019, also said that the Giants would like to find, you know, an heir perhaps in the draft or at least most likely per Schwartz in the draft, said they're not expected to really pursue someone in free agency. Looks like what they will what they will do is bring Eli Manning back for the 2019 season, try to find a young quarterback, whether that's Dwayne Haskins, whether it's Daniel Jones, whether it's Drew Locke, whether it's someone else. Uh, You know, I don't know right now. Uh, We don't know if the Giants will be willing to use the number six overall pick on Dwayne Haskins or whether they'll be willing to move up to try to get Haskins if they feel like he's worth that pick. But it does look like if Schwartz is correct, it looks like Eli will be back 
under center for the Giants in 2019, perhaps with the idea that if the Giants can find the quarterback they believe can succeed him, that that young quarterback can spend the year learning from Manning, the two-time Super Bowl winner, guy that's been you know behind the behind center for the Giants now for 15 seasons. Personally, my take on this is that I like this plan. It is basically the Kansas City plan. It is what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, drafting Mahomes in the first round, letting him sit behind the veteran Alex Smith for a year, then moving on from Smith and giving the job to Mahomes. Obviously, that has worked out well for the Chiefs. Doesn't necessarily mean that it would work out well for the Giants, but it does show that that particular path, one where you draft that young quarterback and you don't necessarily force him onto the field right away, is still a viable one in today's NFL. I mean, we don't know what kind of quarterback Patrick Mahomes would have been, you know, had he been forced to play right away. We'll never know. But, uh, you know, we see a lot of these young quarterbacks come into the league right now. In 2018, we saw some of them come in and play pretty well. That doesn't always happen. It did happen in 2018. Doesn't necessarily mean that a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins could come in and play well right away. You know, If that were to be the case, if that were to be what was asked of him in 2018... I've said multiple times, and people who follow Big Blue View understand, that I have always been a supporter of Eli Manning's. I believe that there is still a path for Eli Manning to play good football. I think that he showed that the second half of the 2018 season when the Giants played better offense, when they protected him better. They averaged something like 27 points per game over their final eight games, which put them in the top 10 in the league offensively. And I think that if you can do that, if you can play like that, then it's hard to argue that you absolutely need to move on if you're putting up points in that particular, at that particular clip. So I, for one, I like the idea of Manning coming back in 2019 I like the idea of him tutoring or mentoring a young quarterback if the Giants can find one. It's brutally obvious that the Giants need to find that answer as the heir apparent, as the long-term solution for Eli Manning. It looks to me the only real option in free agency is Nick Foles, and there's no guarantee that you can get Nick Foles. There's no guarantee that Nick Foles can be even as good as Eli Manning, you know, when you turn, when you put him in an offense in a uniform other than that of the Philadelphia Eagles. When you look at Foles' career, I don't believe Foles has ever been a 16 game starter. He's never really had success outside of Philadelphia. I see the attraction to Nick Foles. I understand the attraction to Nick Foles. I get it. I'm just not 100% sold that Nick Foles can do outside of Philadelphia what he's done in Philadelphia. So, you know, we'll see how all of that plays out. It does appear that the Giants are going to uh, to head into 2019 with Eli Manning. You know, now the question is, can they identify a young quarterback in this draft that they feel like can be the heir apparent? 
and will they be in position to, to get that quarterback? We'll have to find out once we get to the NFL draft, and everyone will have opinions as to which guy that should be. Dwayne Haskins looks like quarterback one in this draft, and, and pretty much every team that wants a quarterback is going to be trying to find a way to get ahead of the Giants and, and get Dwayne Haskins. We'll see if the Giants are are convinced enough that Haskins is, you know, that guy that they would either take him at six or move up in the draft to uh, to guarantee that they could get him. You know, we'll see. I'm not convinced that they would do that at this point. We'll get a chance to talk to Dave Gettleman later in the spring, you know, as we get closer to the draft and uh, and we'll try to feel out, you know, what his uh, what his intentions are. All right, Giants fans, with that said, let's switch gears here quickly and we will bring in Connor Orr of sportsillustrated.com. Uh what you'll hear next is an interview that I did with Connor that uh, that was pre-recorded where we discussed a number of of topics including your New York Giants. Okay, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated. Connor joins us to talk a little bit about uh, NFL officiating, something he wrote about last week. We'll talk a little Giants. We'll talk a little Super Bowl. Connor, how you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, and I was going to say, I was going to add former Giants beat writer uh, to my uh, list of credentials. Short time former Giants beat writer, I guess, right? Yeah, we were, we were going to get to that. I should have mentioned that right up at the top, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that when, when we talk Giants. Anyway, the reason that I, I reached out to you to talk initially was because of uh, something that you wrote at SI last week, something I happened to agree with. Um, in talking about NFL officiating, some of what we saw in the NFC Championship game, um, you know, it, just that that the idea that the NFL has basically become too hard to officiate. Yeah, and, and you know, it was a good point that was kind of brought up by my boss, and you know, I was lucky to have some time to kind of dig into it a little bit, and you know, just from the most basic sort of principles, right? You know, the game is getting faster. Teams are more likely to utilize up-tempo. Uh, you know, just athletes in general are becoming, um, you know, harder to track with with just your eyes. You know, that's why there's 65 cameras at every game. And then, you know, to add to all that, coaches have gotten so smart that basically every play borders on legality, right? It, it tries to create a legal contact. And so, you know, these guys, are their eyes are being drawn all over the place. And, um, you know, notwithstanding the NFC Championship game, where that was obviously a horrendous missed call, but, you know, there, there are a lot of missed calls just because I don't think that they can digest the game at this current speed. I, I don't think it's safe. I don't think it's, you know, I, I, and I think that they need to do a better job of integrating uh, video and technology because we have it. I was going to say, you know, you have all these things like like pick plays, and and every time you have a pick play, you could throw a flag. You can throw a flag on holding, you know, on every single play. You can probably throw a a pass interference penalty on, on a flag for pass interference on just about every play. And you're asking these guys to to judge intent, to judge minutia, to judge degrees of you know what is a penalty and what is illegal contact at speeds that the point that I've made is that I don't think people understand 
just how fast an NFL game moves and just how just how how quick everything happens. I don't think they can they can understand that from watching it on their television. No, not not at all. And you know, I, I was lucky enough. I, I snuck down uh, during the NFC Championship game uh, to watch pretty much the whole third quarter from uh, sort of the bench level, where kind of where the players were seeing it. And my goodness, I mean, you know, if that's not a reminder of of how quick that game is, of how split second everything happens. Um, you know, I, I don't know what is, and, and it's only getting faster. You know, we, we've seen the 40 record be broken twice, uh, I believe, since 2009, um, you know, and that's just kind of an anecdotal way of saying that, like, you know, these guys have, you know, speed training, they have quickness training, you know, all this stuff, um, and, and it, I think that all takes a toll. That all kind of snowballs into, uh, into what we're seeing now. And obviously, you know, human beings are always going to make mistakes, and and everybody talks about increased use of replay, but then we get into how long do games last? You know, how many things can you replay? What's the solution, or is there one in your mind, Connor? Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, I thought that the solution was fairly simple, which is sort of the Ben the Belichick proposal, which is keep everything the same, but just give us, allow us to challenge anything, you know? And I think the coaches will still be judicious with their challenges. You know, I still think that, um, that you know, things will move along in a certain way. You know, I, when I advocated for this in the first place on Twitter, Tony Dungy uh, said, well, you know, what happens if you review that? And then you also see holding in the backfield or a face mask in the backfield. Well, it's the same thing that happens when you review a play now. I mean, I'm sure officials look at, you know, the spot of a ball or whether it's a catch, and they see five other things that they did wrong on that play, and, and, and they have to just focus on the task at hand. And, uh, you know, so I, I would say that, and I would say one other thing that I would propose that I talked about a little bit on our podcast last week was, you know, if, if you're worried about this, um, you know, slowing down the game, a, I think the NFL had one of its best rating seasons ever. I don't think fans would mind sticking around for an extra four minutes. Um, and B, if you're really concerned about it, stick a one-minute clock on challenges and uh, make it so, okay, if it's not obvious to Al Riveron within one minute, then it shouldn't be overturned. You know, And that way you keep a little bit of that human error aspect of the game, but at the same time you utilize the technology. And so I think that those are some ways that we can kind of compromise and come together. You know, I, I think this is a whole different conversation for another day, but I think that the fear of time of game, speed of game, was largely a byproduct of all the political mess that was going on last year where people were just kind of looking for ways to pick the game apart. I think that the, the NFL is sort of beyond that now. <clears throat> Interesting. I do agree. I think that uh, that I do like the idea that if something is wrong, you should be able to review it. We shouldn't be able to say, well, this is reviewable, that's not reviewable. If it's egregious, we should be able to look at it. Yeah, no, and I think that's, that's plain and simple, you know, and I think that, you know, there's certainly going to be an earful from Sean Payton and Gail Benson at the owners' meetings for this. Bill Belichick's always advocated for it. And, you know, I'm guessing that I understand a little bit from the officiating perspective why you wouldn't want to open that Pandora's box. However, um, you know, this makes it so uh, you can't go back from here, right? You can't have a game basically decided on, on on that, on a call like that 
and, and then go back to normal, you know? And so I think that, that that's really the problem that the league is saddled with right now. And if they don't make a large technological change, advancement, something, um, then I think that there's going to be a big problem this, this, this coming season. So let's talk about the uh, – let's, let's get away from officiating a little bit. Let's talk about the Super Bowl this week. And I have to admit that, that coming off the way the NFC Championship game unfolded, there's, there's this gnawing feeling in the back of my head that, that the wrong team is representing the NFC. And I'm having a hard time actually getting excited about this game, you know, partially for that reason. But, but spinning ahead and, and looking at this game, I mean, are you excited to see this matchup? And, and, and how do you see it you know, unfold? I'm very excited, um, you know, and, and you know, to, I, I'm having a hard time, too. I mean, I, I will agree that certainly had that pass interference or helmet-to-helmet call been, been levied on the, on the Rams, you know, we would probably have the Saints here in this game, and you'd have Brady and Breeze, and you'd have kind of a different um, sort of feel to that. But at the same time, you know, uh, I, I just think it needs to be stressed over and over again. It's just, you know, there was a missed face mask on the Rams by the goal line. Jared Goffin almost got his helmet pulled off. Uh, you know, Sean Payton was passing the ball with under two minutes to go when he could have been running the clock down. And, you know, I think that the, the statements, especially by Saints ownership, were a little short-sighted in, in the fact that, like, it was A plus B equals C here. Like, okay, the reason we're not in this game is because of of this call. And, I, and, and so I think that, yes, was it a, a large, huge contributing factor? Yes. Um, but I'm not going to let it ruin this week because for me, just because this is going to be a great matchup. Sean McVay is one of the brightest young minds in football. Uh, I, I think that if Todd Gurley gets a chance to heal up a little bit, this is going to be a tremendous, you know, it could be one of the higher scoring Super Bowls that we've seen maybe in recent memory too. I just, uh, you know, I look at this matchup and I see Tom Brady, you know, again in the Super Bowl, you know, and and Bill Belichick again in the Super Bowl. And I just wonder, I mean, I don't know that we've ever seen anything like this, and I just wonder how long it can continue to go on. Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, you know, we we were talking about the – uh, Tom Brady's been 17% of all the Super Bowls, which is um, just mind-boggling to me. And, you know, one of my colleagues broke that down on, on SI this morning. And, you know, how many World Series would that mean or how many uh, Stanley Cup finals? And really the only thing that was remotely close to this sort of run was, was sort of the Bill Russell and, and the Celtics, um, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing. But, I mean, this is just totally different. I mean, uh, the, the class of athlete is so different. Um, all the resources that everybody has at their disposal are so different. And it's just it's phenomenal to me that, that we're witnessing something like this. And, you know, I've only covered, uh, you know, I've been covering the NFL since 2010. This will be my sixth Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, I've only covered one um, non-Patriot Super Bowl, you know, which is phenomenal to me. But, uh, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's something that we're never going to see again. You know, I, I, I don't think that anything is – is possible uh, like that. I think Belichick came in at the right time. He found the right guys. He was in the right place. He had the right owner. And we're seeing kind of the, the genesis of that. You know, Connor, let's, let's switch gears to one final topic here. And it's, uh, as you indicated, you know, you covered the Giants for a little while. Um, 
and I thought, you know, one thing we're never going to see again, I don't think we're ever going to see again, is Eli Manning lead another, lead another Giants team to a Super Bowl. So, you know, let's just talk about the Giants for a minute. Where are you at this point on Eli Manning and on what the Giants, you know, should do at quarterback, you know, this coming season and long-term even after that? I'm, I'm admittedly a little jaded. I, I got beat up on another podcast uh, for my play, my beginning of the season playoff picks that they pulled up last week. And, uh, you know, I had the Giants winning the division, uh, and I had them going maybe a game or two into the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I thought that this team kind of finally had it together. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm interested to see what the future um, looks like for Eli Manning. Um, you know, I wrote and a couple other people wrote in December that, they were basically, uh, you know, kind of floating that trial balloon out there that, okay, he's probably going to be our quarterback in 2019, and then, and then we'll see what happens after that. But if they don't draft somebody this year or um, make a play in free agency and, and get some sort of a sensible um, bridge scenario in there soon, I, I think fans should probably be pretty concerned. I mean, you know, I, I think Eli's still a good quarterback situationally, and the analytics support that. But, um, you know, I think there's also an eye test to this, too. And, and there are just games where it just looks like it's, it's not a functional offense with him in it. No, it's a difficult conundrum for the Giants because they can obviously look at his age and say he's 38, we have to plan for the future. They can look at the one-loss record. Then if they want to support the idea of him continuing to be their quarterback, they can look at the fact that, they scored, I think, 27 or 28 points a game the second half of the season, which which puts them in the top seven or eight offenses in the league. So, yeah, it's it's sort of any when you look at numbers, you look at analytics, you can kind of spin them any way you want. Either way, it's sort of short term with Eli at this point. You know, the problem the Giants have, and I don't know how much you've studied the draft at this point, Connor, but the problem they have is this is a difficult quarterback class to, to find, you know, that guy that you, that you feel real good about. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's really the, um, the kind of the shame of it all. I mean, you know, I think Giants fans can argue until they're blue in the face, whether they would have rather Sam Darnold or Saquon Barkley, you know, uh, I'm of the mind that, Yes, like from an analytical perspective, it was probably a terrible decision. But if you're a Giants fan, uh, do you support Dave Gettleman and the fact that, like, you know, do you want a general manager that believes in your roster? You know, do you want a general manager that's not stuck in this perpetual tear-down, rebuild kind of phase? I mean, he really legitimately thought that they had a chance of winning the division. And so, you know, you got to give him credit for that, at least, uh, you know, that aggressiveness, because there are teams that really don't have that, whose owners and general managers never spend any money, but now they're kind of stuck in this purgatory where, I mean, you force yourself to fall in love with someone like Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke. And, you know, I think that's certainly possible. Um, you know, and I, I would also advocate t- towards opening up your mind a little bit. You know, I mean, Kyler Murray might be there in the second round. Um, you know, look at what the Ravens were able to do with Lamar Jackson. You know, just some of the stuff that the game is changing so rapidly that I don't think that, a franchise quarterback as we know it, um, you know, outside of Trevor Lawrence maybe in two or three years whenever he comes out of the draft, is really a thing that we're going to think about very much anymore. It's going to be how somebody fits into a scheme, and and that's really when you're going to find out how creative and how kind of interesting your coaching staff is. 
Yeah, you touched on a few interesting things there, Connor, and is, this is the last thing that I will ask you, you know, to address before I let you go. There was sort of the idea that the Giants, because they went, you know, with Eli Manning last season, maybe that they were all in to win last year, that they thought they could engineer a quick turnaround, and that really didn't work out. But as you look at the Giants, you know, you're perspective on the Giants after going 5-11, and 11, you know, after seeing the first year with Gettleman and Shermer, your perspective on whether you feel like they're pointed in the right direction or, you know, or are they just in a, in a continuously bad place? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's all going to depend <coughs> a little bit, excuse me, on how, um, how the Odell Beckham situation um, you know, fetters out, you know, it's crazy to place so much importance on the shoulders of one player, but I think that the team goes as he goes, you go as your highest play, paid player goes. And, um, you know, I think that they're going to need, uh, you know, some really sort of transcendent performances from him next season, or, you know, really some sort of buy-in that we haven't seen in the past or otherwise, you know, that they're going to have to get rid of him and, and find a way to make the cap work. And I just think that, that's sort of what's putting them in a holding pattern in my mind um, in terms of, of where I see them going in the future. Um, obviously the talents there, um, you know, I, I think that there's some good, you know, there's some good people on board. Their personnel department has always been um, to some degree um, in the top half, I would say of, of people in terms of their ability to identify talent. So, you know, all that stuff should put them in a good spot. I think Pat Shermer's a good coach. I think he needs to settle in a little bit too. But um, from there, who knows? You know, I think it's uh, it's going to be a really interesting season. Connor, before I let you go, why don't you just tell folks uh, where they can find your work, where they can find you on Twitter if they're not already following you. No, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, my Twitter handle is just at Connor Orr, C-O-N-O-R, and the last name is O-R-R. But if you really want the full – Sports Illustrated Experience, great deals going on right now. Uh, I think almost 90% off the cover price. Um, so, you know, less than uh, less than a couple cups of coffee at Starbucks for a whole year of Sports Illustrated. So I would definitely uh, I would definitely encourage you to, uh, to check it out. Oh, slick move there, getting a little SI promo in. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> All, right. All right. Hey, thanks a lot for spending some time. Hopefully we'll do it again. All right. Thank you. Thanks. That's our show for today, Giants fans. We thank Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated for dropping by, spending some time with us. We encourage you to please subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. We remind you to uh, join the community at BigBlueView.com if you haven't done so already so that you can participate in the discussion with other Giants fans. Check out our Instagram page at big underscore blue underscore view. Check out our Facebook page. Also, please follow me on Twitter at Big Blue View. All right, Giants fans, thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.